a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. You're listening to a Zero Limits podcast brought to you by Two Ravens Tactical. Your hosts are Australian veterans, Matt and Shane, and we're here to give you the motivation to accomplish any goal you set your mind to. On these podcasts, we're going to be speaking to high-charging people with a zero-limit mindset that never say no. Let's go. On today's podcast, we have a U.S. Army veteran turned Nitro Circus athlete, Tyler Pinnett Pinnanum. During his Army career, he deployed to Afghanistan in 2015, and when he is not on the front line, he spent his time perfecting tricks on his snowmobile and ATV. He's the first person to pull for front flip on a snowmobile to a hard landing, and also the first to do the same on an ATV. He hails from Grand Rapids, Minnesota, and has a zero-limit mindset. Please welcome Tyler Pinnanum. All right, so on, on today's uh, show, we've got uh, Tyler Pinnanum. He uh, was um, yeah, U.S. I was about to say Australian Army. He's uh, U.S. Uh, U.S. Army, and then uh, I guess he had those thrills and highlights of the army. He wanted to step it up a notch and start doing front flips on <laughs> snowmobiles and ATVs, which is our next level. <laughs> Insane. So he spent a bit of time with Nitro Circus as well and on tour and broke a few bones here and there. But uh, let's uh, get away and start hitting him up with some questions, Shane. Happy days, uh, Tyler. When did you join the army? What age and whereabouts do you live? Uh, I live in uh, northern Minnesota, Grand Rapids, Minnesota, in the United States. Uh, I joined the Army right after I finished my associate's degree in college in 2012. Right, right. Okay, then after that, where did you deploy straight to Afghan or did you do some uh, more training in, in the States before you went uh, off country? Uh, just training, uh, pretty much just training until 2016. I got deployed 2016, 2017. I uh, went to Kuwait and uh, Afghanistan. Happy yeah, days. right. So, well, you know, what was your, you know, for me, my main motivating factor for joining the Australian Army was, uh, you know, 9-11. Um, so, you know, I go back a, a few years now. But, um, you know, for yourself, what was your, you know, is, is it something you always wanted to do, uh, you know, leaving school and, you know, being a kid playing, you know, those types of Army games? Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd say it's definitely something I always thought of as a kid. I mean, uh, both my grandparents were in the Navy. Uh, my grandpa on my mom's side, he's uh, one of 13 kids. All all nine of the brothers served in the military. Uh, my brother, Trevor, he was in the Navy. My brother, Nick, went into the Navy. Uh, then I was just kind of the oddball out. They wouldn't take me because I ended up shattering my ankle the year before. So I just wanted to go in as a rescue swimmer, but they wanted nothing to do with me at that point. So 
kind of pushed my way through and uh, did all the paperwork stuff to get in and uh, joined the army instead. Yeah, right. And what, what age was that? Uh, 22. 22. And what, what's the process for, you know, for people out there listening, you know, for the, for the Australian Army, we basically call a number, we head in for interviews, psychometric testing, medical testing, and then basically you're offered a position. Is that is that similar uh, scenario for the US side of things? Um, sort of. Uh, ours, is, uh, it's uh, still a voluntary type of deal. So if you, you do sign up, I mean, you still have to take uh, what they they call the ASVAB test here. It gives you just basically a placement test, show you where you score, uh, I guess, in terms of everybody else. It uh, gives you different lists of jobs that, you, you know, you're able to do. Yeah. Uh, then, then from there, you go through the whole medical process. There's, I don't know, a bunch of different physicals you go through uh, before you even actually head off to uh, basic training. Yeah, right. Um, so it's pretty similar. Yeah, where, was your training um, – so I understand that in America, you guys have a few camps for all your training. Um, is there one like local training that you went to? Like was there like a, a, main, a main one you went to for all your training or did you get spread out across the country? I got I got spread out. Uh, my first one was actually in South Carolina in Fort Jackson. Uh, that's where I went to basic training. I uh, went there like 10 weeks there and then uh, on to uh, AIT in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, which completely different environments. I mean, all, all of our military bases in the U.S. are pretty much some of the worst areas you could pick, but yeah, they're right. perfect for <laughs> combat yeah. training. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, was there any moments that you hated throughout your training? I know when I went through my Navy training, um, just ironing, your ironing flat. We had to iron our bed sheets every morning. Uh, that was just a pain in the ass. So I oh, know that was one thing. I look back now and I could smell the 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 not the smell from the iron heating up, and it's just like fuck me, dead. <laughs> that's that's what I can remember. No, mine. Uh, because I was actually I was originally going to college for nursing, and so I learned how to do the hospital corners and everything on the bed. So Smart, I had I had that pretty dialed in. But uh, <laughs> right before basic training and stuff, I a girlfriend I had through college, we broke up, and so I kind of had that, you know, as a little anger motivation behind me, and then just everything building up to it. I was just thinking, well, I'm basically getting paid to work out for the next couple months. Yeah, so that's it. spot on. Can't really complain. <laughs> exactly. Then when, uh, how how old were you when you first deployed? Uh, 26. Okay, right on. And that was uh, 2016, correct? Correct. Yeah, so you, obviously you went to Afghanistan. Whereabouts in uh, Afghanistan did you base out? Uh, I was in uh, Bagram in northern Afghanistan for about, I think it was a week or two. And then I uh, spent uh, the rest of the time we were down in uh, Kandahar, on Kandahar Airfield. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I spent a bit of time, you know, in the the private sector at uh, Bagram uh, Air, Air, Airfield. What do they call it? Bagram Air Base Airfield. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I spent a bit of time down in Kandahar as well, always floating in and out of the airports as well. And uh, obviously, back in 2016, still a wild, wild place. Especially Bagram was copping a bit of um, indirect a fair few times. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't even think we were off the plane for two minutes when I experienced my first mortar attack, and then I was like, "Okay, this is a real shit here." No, yeah, <laughs> nice. That's nice. fucking crazy. So, what, what was your, you know, your your actual job in Afghanistan? Well, you know, so, for us, uh, sorry, for us uh, Aussies, you know, when we were in Afghanistan, it was more reconstruction and you know, assisting and you know, putting on a smiley face for the for the Afghans, showing that you know there is a, a force out there to help, you know. The, the PR, living. oh yeah, PR for for back home as well. Uh, the ADF, yeah, and that's or, yeah, 
that's kind of what ours was as well. Uh, uh, we worked alongside with the Czech Republic and Bulgarians most of the time. And actually the person in charge of our unit was uh, from Australia. So we were doing a lot of area, I guess, base fortification, rebuilding the ECPs, entry points. And then we did uh, some type of, you know, kind of like route clearance work, clearing bridges and stuff and yeah, just right. laying down stuff to prevent IEDs. Yeah, and that obviously IEDs in Afghanistan, they're just, it's like they're everywhere. And yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it never really goes through your mind when you're there. But then, you know, for me, I look back now and go, how did I survive? <laughs> the amount of IDs, so, you know, we'd hear the Taliban talking over, you know, the ICOM chatter and, you know, that'd be saying, you know, we're putting IDs out for the Australians, <laughs> for the soldiers. And Shit. our boss is basically just like, yeah, we're still going out, boys. Just watch where you step. I'm like, yeah, sweet. Thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for the heads up. Yeah, what a nice gift. <laughs> <laughs> so how long, how long did you spend in uh, Afghanistan? Because um, they're quite long deployments for you guys in the US, like up to like a year sometimes. So, yeah, I left, uh, that would have been May of 2016, and I got back home, uh, I think, mid-April of 2017. That's hectic. That is a long time. Such a long time to be away. Because I know this. But I think, uh, so it was, I think, August till January something, we were in uh, Kandahar. Was that, uh, so that was their summer, obviously, over there, hot as balls. Um, and Yeah, pretty much right at the end of their summer. Um, so why the army of all things? Um, obviously you said you want to go to the Navy as a rescue swimmer. Uh, they wouldn't take you. What about the Coast Guard? It's probably the next best thing, even though you probably don't want to admit that there's a Coast Guard uh, that, that, you wanted, <laughs> that you wanted to join. Um, any other branch of the services like uh, USAF or the Marines or any other sort of branch? See, I've thought about it uh, kind of when I was getting into it. The, the Marines, uh, similar type of things with the Navy, uh, yeah. their requirements anyways for the medical. And the thing that kind of steered me away from that at the time was well once you're in they kind of just select your job when you go through was that the uh, marines go through your basic yep oh well, yeah, okay so yeah the, if you if they just decide that you're going to be an infantry you're an infantry if you, they're going to decide you're an engineer you're an engineer so you kind of just go along with the yeah however they want yeah <laughs> i wasn't aware of that yeah cross oh why did the army take you if you have a shattered foot but the the navy wouldn't you, See, you I find was, that funny because the, yeah. <laughs> the army, you, you're walking around, you know, well, they, we all think, but then in the Navy, you just get on the ship and you just sail around and just getting pissed. Well, we did I, anyway. I honestly don't know what they what they <laughs> thought was any different because, I, I mean, I spent a good, I'd say three, four months just trying to hunt down every piece of medical paper they wanted just so they could give me this medical waiver to go into basic and I did my first physical there, and they said, "Oh, you don't even need that waiver." So I was like, "Oh, oh <laughs> didn't that's, didn't even matter because I could still perform all that's, the that's jobs, crazy. you know." Because here here in Australia, mate, basically to get into the Air Force, Army, or Navy, it's it's all done by one, just done by the ADF. So if you get refused by one, you you're refused by all. Um, yeah. So so ours is yeah. As touch on what Matt was saying, then you go into a uh, defense force recruiting center and you go in, you do all your testing or your physicals and whatnot, and they go right over. What do you want to choose? You choose Army, Navy, Air Force, and they give you a list of jobs, which are the ones that you may apply. So if you finish year twelve, you get to be an officer, or you get to have the choice to be an officer. But if you only finish year ten, you get to be a soldier, sailor, airman, which is probably one of the best best ones out there because we get paid to have fun. Really, you know, they're they're with all the boys, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after your stint in the American Army, uh, when did you decide to convert your skills, should I say, to uh, snowmobile flipping? Well, actually, 
all my free time, uh, 2009, I actually started uh, pursuing the whole front flip on the snowmobile and I got it, got it to come around and got it kind of dialed in a little bit there and uh, just kind of started doing that my free time. And once I got back from AIT, I focused a little more on it, put motocross and that stuff aside when I was home and just focused on that one thing. Yeah, right. What what made you do to, to decide to do a front flip? Like on a snowmobile, like they're quite heavy, aren't they? Like 300 kilos. So I don't know what's that about, 600, 500 pounds or so? Yeah, 500 something pounds. Yeah, fuck, that's heavy. So what what, what made you <laughs> through, through your head go, you know what? Instead of doing a, a backy, we'd do a fronty. It's, it's well, with the crazy. snowmobile, uh, just racing those when I was younger, I mean, I've seen like if, if people hit it like a driveway approach or something, you know, just kind of kick their back yeah, end up. Yeah. And they basically do half of one size after thinking of it, you know, with the, how much that momentum in the track plays into it. I thought if you just locked up the brake, why wouldn't you be able to use that track momentum to get you to go forward and tried it in a foam pit and landed on my head for a good year. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Blackout. Oh, there you go. Emotion lights. Oh, that's oh. fancy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well uh, you know, just to carry on from that, you know, let's go back to your earlier days, you know, being a, a young fella, young kid. Growing up in Minnesota, you know, were you riding bikes at that stage or BMX or your rollerblader like Chris Haffey? Oh, I wish I <laughs> could rollerblade. Roller but <laughs> 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 no, I uh, I started actually racing BMX in 1998 when I was eight years old. And I raced all the way till I was 18, started racing motocross when I was got my first job when I was 15. Yep. And just kind of did both of them here and there and raced snowmobiles a little bit when I could in the winter. But then just, yeah, just like I said, kind of put that aside and just wanted to focus and try to be good or be the best at one thing. Yeah. So you already had that action sport sort of bloodline, you know, your young age, BMX, dirt biking. And then obviously where you live, it's a, it's a very, very cold climate. So there's always snowing, really. you know, here in Australia, I've only seen, seen snow once, you know, and for, really, yeah, it's, and even then it was, it was probably shit, shit snow anyway, but you know, <laughs> I was only a kid, but, um, Talk us through like when you the like the thoughts you're going through to do your front flip. You know, did you tell your mates, your missus, like your mum and dad, or did you YouTube it to see if anyone else has completed the front flip before? Well, actually, uh, when I first thought of it was when uh, Jim DeChamp did the first front flip on the dirt bike. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what got my gears turning. And I talked to my dad about it a little bit here and there, and he uh, he actually helped me build my first ramps to try to actually pursue it the hardest part was trying to find an area to practice in with a foam pit or something like that. Yeah. Um, with you, with your snowmobile, what's, what's your, what's your, what's your style of the brand you have, should I say? Uh, do you have like one that's like tuned up? Uh, do you have like weight? Do you pull off stuff to reduce the weight or do you got weights in the front of it? So it's easy to flip. Do you have anything like special requirements? Uh, when I first started, I, I actually had, uh, one of the modified race sleds or lighter weight, uh, more horsepower. I, I thought maybe that was the trick. And then the more it came down to it, it was, you know, sometimes if something breaks on it, it's harder to find parts, it's harder to tune everything in. And, uh, so right now I just have, uh, the Skidoo's, uh, they're 2018 Skidoo snowmobiles yeah. and they're pretty much a stock setup. So that way, if something does break, it's just a quick change out and, yeah, definitely. Just try, try to keep things as consistent as you can when we're doing shows where it's 112 and then 5,000 feet yeah. elevation. And it's the um, what's the process for you to get into? Like, hang on, I'll start that again. We're, we're having a shocker today. Um, how, did, <laughs> how did you first get uh, noticed? Or did you put your film through, or was that on YouTube and someone saw it? Then they got passed on to Travis, or did you apply, or what? Uh, well, I've actually I had the videos and stuff on YouTube and. 
everybody kept saying, you know, I can't believe how this isn't a bigger thing. And like, it got noticed here and there, but never really took off. And then uh, when I got back from my deployment, I was actually practicing up in uh, Michigan at my friend Scott Murray's place. And uh, Steve Minnie ended up coming through there Yeah, right. with, uh, with Jay Tui and they, they wanted to test out their front flip ramp on the dirt bikes. And luckily I ended up staying there helping him a couple more days when they came through and they're like, Oh, what are you doing here for? I was like, Oh, I do front flips on a snowmobile. They're like, Oh no shit. I'll have to see that later. <laughs> so they, they ended up watching me practice at the end of the day. And Steve said, you know, maybe we can get you on a show, maybe closer to your home. He said there was one in Michigan in like two months. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that'd yeah. be, a, that'd be awesome, man. And I got a call the next day. He said, they want you to be in San Diego this weekend. Can you do it? I said, yeah, yeah I'll figure it out. <laughs> it was a, a Wednesday and I had two days to pretty much just grab my stuff and drive out there and make what, it happen. What show was that taller? Uh, the the uh, San Diego in uh, June of 2017. Yeah, I was there. I was there. And, I, and the funny thing is I remember when, because uh, basically – you know, part of my security job, we do the safety as well, as you know, and get you guys to sign all your, your lives away with that paperwork. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm basically working in close with Chris Haffey and uh, Nathan Brown so um, and Dove. So we kind of, I kind of know who who's going to be coming on, you know, to write in a show. And, you know, obviously I heard that guy was coming because Colt Moore, obviously at that stage was uh, riding a sled, uh, doing just a backflip, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and um, then yeah, we obviously got told about you as well. You know, ex, you know, a veteran, and uh, he's now he's doing front flips. You did your front flip uh, ATV first, correct? Oh uh, yes, I I actually just uh, just did the first uh, front flip on an ATV in July. Yeah. of this past year, so I only actually rode a four wheeler maybe a month before that. So yeah, no way, <laughs> far out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the story. Yeah. You know, I remember you doing, you know, the front flip on the snowmobile, you know, when was that first crash you had at the show? You broke your, broke your ankle? Uh, that, well, that was the the second tour. The, was the first a, yeah, show I did in San Diego, that one it was kind of funny. Cause I was only home, I think like two weeks from my deployment when I was able to do that show. And the whole day, the whole day that we were there, you know, everybody's kind of, kind of keeping their distance. And I was wondering, well, what the hell, you know? Yeah, maybe all these people hate me and then at the end of the day once i flipped and landed they're like honestly we didn't know what you were doing if you were gonna actually jump or what so we were just trying to give you guys some space yeah yeah when you went onto the uh, track novices team the nitro circuit were they coaching you through how to how to to perform it better or they uh taking down to his uh, house and then just trying to like critique your style or they just uh, or they form the way, way you were jumping well, just after that first show, they kind of just gave me advice of what to do. And I just kind of did everything else on my own to get ready for that next tour the in the next, uh, the next spring. So, yeah. so what, what year was that? Sorry, 2016 or 17? So that's right uh, well, the first show was 2017. And then I did the two tours in 2018. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So you traveled all over the world then with the, the Nitro Circus team? Unfortunately, I missed out on... Uh, Europe and Australia of that year. Oh, spell yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I do remember it all. And obviously, so we'll move on to your second, you know, where you had your bad stack. I was not there. That was on a, a regional tour, wasn't it? Pretty sure a regional show. That when you broke. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, up in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, up in Canada. Yeah, I missed that one. I think I was in Afghanistan, I'm pretty sure. So I ended up missing out on that regional tour. And then, so just. 
give us a bit of a, a rundown on, you know, that jump. And I've seen the footage of it, obviously, and it's, they always, every time you've done a jump since, they play that footage of you bucking your ankle pretty bad. <laughs> of course. Yeah, which they do for all the athletes. They always show the worst and then they stomp the trick. So, but yeah, run us through that, you know, that, that day. Yeah, that whole day, the whole day was kind of just a shit show going into it. I, I had a crash a couple of shows before where it just bent some parts. So I had a, a bag of parts. I was trying to get on the plane. They wouldn't let me take it on the flight. That flight got canceled due to engine problems with the plane. And so it was just by the bad, time I ended, it was just a bad omen from the start, really, was it? Oh yeah. The whole day I was thinking, man, should I even do this show? And we got there and it was kind of <laughs> colder weather. And you know, there, there wasn't really many people there, which I was surprised for the, the show for the turnout. Just, I think it was just weather was the main thing, but <laughs> still went there, went for it anyways, did my few jumps and then came back around and do the front flip. And I came a little under rotated when I came in and it hit the back end of the snowmobile and just bounced me up off the seat. Yeah. seen the footage and when I came back down, my ankle just caught that rubber turf and my body kept going. Dislocated my ankle, broke my tibia and fibula. And yeah, right. Well, got some shit. nice hardware. So, you know, um, obviously from there, you you know, shipped off to hospital, bit of surgery, I'd say. Um, you know, they fixed you back up. How long was your uh, recovery time before you basically got back on? You know, well, actually, let's... Let's slow it up a bit. You know, what we you know, run through your recovery and, you know, how your mental health was as well. You know, obviously you would have been affected by being busted and wanting to get back on the sled. It's kind of like the army, mate. You know, you get into oh, yeah. a, bit of a bit of a trouble and then you want to get back on the horse and get back to it. Yeah. I knew that next tour was coming. So that was a huge motivation to get healthy. But uh, when I broke it up in Canada, they gave me two aspirin and reset my ankle. And I said, <laughs> you'd have to wait till you get back home to have surgery because I wasn't a priority in Canada's healthcare deal. So flew back home and because of the pressure change in the flight and that half cast I was in, oh. it blistered the ankle. And yeah, right. so when I had, when I had surgery, it ended up eventually it got infected. So I had to have surgery once it healed enough to remove some of the plates and screws because the bone graft they did just turned into mush and was feeding the bacteria basically. Wow. So I was out from, I think that was June 9th until the doctor cleared me for the show the day before. And he said, I shouldn't do this, but I know you're going to do it anyways. And I <laughs> did that show the next day in uh, Minneapolis, October 3rd. Yeah, right. So how long in total was the recovery? As you know, but it, obviously you did a bit of physio and all that type of stuff. Well, all of it was, I mean, it was almost four months and I did everything at home was all, all my physical therapy stuff I've done myself. It was I conned the nurse at the hospital to give me one of those resistance bands so I could stretch out the ankle while I was sitting there in bed. And all I was just trying to do was keep that motion, you know, try not to put too much pressure on it, but just having it where I could at least have that flexibility still. Yeah, of course. Which was huge at the time. Then your next show, did you go straight into another another front flip or did you do some other other warm up tricks or you thought, fuck it? Just straight into the front flip. That's all they wanted. What was that that next show? Uh, Minneapolis. Mini- that, it was yeah. my hometown kind of show. Yeah, no, I was there too, and I do remember it. And it was uh, your whole family was there too, and it was awesome. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was a little bit, just a tad bit under rotated, and I almost fell off. But I was so nervous just from the crash before, and not really having much of practice in between. So. But it worked out well. Tyler, talk us through uh, before a jump. Obviously, you're getting lot lined up. What 100 meters back, 80 meters back, if not closer, um, and then you see us pin it. 
just fucking bulls just flat out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with my ramp, it's just basically it's, I think it's like 53 feet or something. I, from a dead stop, then it's just full throttle off the ramp and timing it right and locking up the brakes, throwing the body and pulling with the legs. Easy as that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> just, just that simple. What's the uh, speed you hit the ramp at? Or what's the top, top speed of your, of your uh, skidoos as well? Uh, the top speed, I'd say, is probably like 80 or 90, but I think I hit the ramp. I'm probably doing about, I don't know, 58 miles an hour or so. Yeah, it's fucking quick still. Yeah, yeah, mate. And, like, I've been there and seen these guys do it. And, you know, that how, how, how heavy is that, uh, is your ski? Uh, 500 and... Some like 520 pounds, I yeah. Think. So, about what 300 plus yeah, kilos, that, yeah. It's fucking you know, heavy. And then, like, if that thing comes down on top of you, you know, you're done for. Simple, oh, yeah. I actually, <laughs> I actually, uh, the tour after once I got back on the shows, uh, from that one in Minneapolis and continued on, uh, we did a show in I think it was in uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, yeah. And uh, I had the uh, they had a hockey arena and there was like this big step before my ramp. And so I kind of misjudged it off of that. Cause I couldn't really get a smooth run into my ramp. And I came up way short, had the snowmobile land directly on my chest and yeah. oh, I actually yeah. ended up shitting my pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, That was another show that I was there for. And I, you know, I do remember it. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do it remember so it. hard. I took the handlebars to the stomach and, I, I had all this shit out. the best thing I had, I had no idea. So I'm laying there. Everybody, of course, you know, everybody was worried because they thought I was paralyzed right there. Cause it just kind of hit and slid down yeah. to the bottom of the landing. And I stood up and I was like, Oh, I got a scrape on my butt cheek and I'm showing on my butt cheek and the medics are like, Oh yeah, you're fine. And I did an interview with somebody for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I go in the locker room and my girlfriend was sitting there and I was like, did you just sh- like, did you shit yourself or what? <laughs> I was like, or did, I was like, did you fart? It smells. She's like, no. And I was like, what the hell? I reached back, fingers covered in shit. <laughs> How did you not, not smell or not feel it going down your legs? I, I honestly, it hit so hard that I had no idea. It was just an instant. But it's just it's just crazy though, like that sled landed on top of you and that was basically your only injury was a shit shitty yep. dance. Yeah. Which is, you know, pretty good pretty pretty good on the scale. Phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, I know it should be an embarrassing story. And I was I, I was like, how, how am I supposed to do this? You know, I went to the bathroom, cleaned up, and while I was in there, Sheehan actually walked by and he goes, Dude, courtesy flush and I'm I'm kinda looking around like, well, what do I do here? Cause I don't have anything to flush yet. <laughs> um, so. When you do the front flip, obviously, you know, your bike's three times the weight of a normal uh, FMX bike. Uh, what are the guys like? They're like, this guy's fucking nuts. Or they're just like, Jesus, this bike's got balls. Cause like you think about the guys that are riding the dirt bikes, you know, like they're, they're meant for that sort of stuff, but a snowmobile's not. Um, and like I said, it weighs like three times as much as a normal bike. It, what's, what's everyone's reaction when, when you first come on the tour? Well, they just like, this bike's fucking crazy. Yeah, usually that's pretty much everybody's reaction with it is wondering how the hell I even get that thing to come around. And the fact that I, you know, even though, you know, it, it's not as dialed as any other trick, you know, because you only have a teeny window to actually, you know, perform it and make sure it's right. But yeah, to, 
I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those things you're like, you just kind of ride on the edge, you know, just like being overseas, you get used to that. Yeah. Like having the fine line between life and death type of well, deal. That's your day. Like you don't think about, you know, worst case scenario, you're just thinking about stomping what you're doing, you know, completing the job or doing the biggest, you know, front flip you can ever think of, you know, for the crowd. And that's all you think of. You don't think of, you know, breaking your leg or shitting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We've all, we've all shit, shit ourselves before, Tyler. We've all done it before, mate. <laughs> Here you have a story for me. Yeah, I do actually. So I was on my way to the <laughs> Gulf uh, in 2013, the HMAS Newcastle, and um, the whole ship got gastro. You know, we just left Fremantle, and about a day out of Fremantle, the ship started to clear up of gastro. And me, another guy that I used to sleep with our six packs, so where the Navy beds are, this like um, bottom, middle, and top, and they're pretty, pretty, pretty crammed anyway. There's a few guys there, and we didn't get it. Then after everyone else got it, we got it. Um, and I, one night I went to bed and I just felt sick. I had a spew and whatnot. Woke up the next morning at about 3am, 4am and I was just like, man, what the fuck? And do you know when you use them when you know something's off and you just see you sense it? You're like, oh, fuck. Anyway, lying in my pit, I roll over. I just feel like my undies were just full of just fluid. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like this isn't happening. And you know, it's like one of the worst feelings and all you want to do is be at home, you know. But said, I'm, I'm on a ship with 200 other sailors, you know, 200, 100. 80 that are blokes and I walked to the showers I cleaned myself up and one of the guys walked in he's just like Cordo what the fuck are you doing because usually when you go to the showers on the ship you have like your um, soap and your, your toiletries bag and your towel and I, I had none of that all I had was just thongs on and um, undies I like scooped them out and threw, <laughs> threw them in the bin I'll, I'll get to that in a second and he's like what happened to you I was just like oh shit the bed and at the time I didn't know that uh, meaning shit the bed means here in Australia like you like you get up early and he goes oh right he probably thought I was going to the gym um, a few days later <laughs> they were garbage sorting so out at sea we, we garbage sort plastics and metals and stuff that we can like squash down into bags or paper back in those days um, because throw pa- paper and cardboard straight over the side because it breaks down but now we got it, we can't do any of that um, yeah. and one of the boys come r- running down to the mess we're all watching telly I think it was dropping thunder or something anyway he comes down he's just like fuck they just found someone shitty undies sitting in the fucking bin <laughs> and I was a first person to talk I go that's fucking disgusting <laughs> and then the last yeah. night of seeds so that was like the start of the trip like two weeks in then like six months later almost uh, we're coming home the last night we're all just telling stories and people talking about who slept with who and whatnot. and someone's like oh Cordae do, do you got a story to tell us and someone's like whoa what happened and I, and I told everyone and I was embarrassed but now I'm just talking here on a podcast about it and I think it's the most funniest <laughs> thing ever the, the missus hates it but my my, my brother and Matt and I just laugh about it all the time. It's just one, it's one of those one of those things, you know. It's like, oh, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is sus. What's our uh, next mate on the um, skidoo? Like tr- uh, trick wise, uh, a double, double backflip if you got a big enough ramp or yeah, double double back. <laughs> oh, actually, a tandem backflip. Now we're talking. Well, that's possible, but I, I think I'm going to actually possibly try a double front flip on the snowmobile. No. What the fuck? Is that something I've, you're actually thinking about? <laughs> I've I've had a day in practice where I had some <laughs> some shock parts broke and actually it came out going to the ramp and I I hit the ramp normal and did just my normal thing and I just push my body away to try to slow the rotation down and I still did one and a half. Yeah, right. So I think 
I think a double is doable. Well, well, Matt and I were talking to Sheeny last week and we're discussing how the first front flip, uh, the back flip was done in 2000. And then, um, was it 2001 or 2000? I think it was 2000. And we fast forward 15 years later and Sheeny pumps out a bloody quad back flip. You know? Triple. Yeah. Triple. Triple. Sorry, triple. Sorry. No, quad, he, yeah. sorry, he hasn't done that yet. Sorry, Jed. So I was thinking about Jed. <laughs> um, yeah, Sheeny pumped out a triple. And I said to him at the time, I said, when you first saw the first back flip, you know, what were you thinking? He goes, man, that was fun fucking crazy and he was the first, next guy in the world first guy in the world to do a triple and here you are the first guy in the world to do a uh, front flip on a, on a skidoo and there must be a lot of action sports people out there thinking this bloke's fucking crazy for doing one and here we are you're telling us you're going to do two you almost got one, one and a half so what what would be the uh, prep for this like a bigger bigger ramp or more area or just more balls just yeah just, just a bigger couple just of bigger balls just carry each ball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think just more balls just try it off what I got and just I think it might set. be doable off there. Otherwise, maybe changing the ramp up a little bit, but Just fucking I think it's it. doable. And ha- like, how long do you, you know, like in the foreseeable future, like is it, are we talking like you know, you're thinking about it like within the next few weeks, just, you know, start practicing for it or have you already started practicing for it? I would say it's probably something that might could be done by maybe August. Yeah, right. Fuck, no, okay. Awesome. Awesome, man. That's like, fucking special. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good luck, and obviously, yeah, I hope you well, stop thank it, you. man. But obviously, that'll just boost your career, you know, on the you know, the action sports yeah, calendar, action sports, and in the snow in the um, winter winter sports calendar. Um, do you have a sponsor? Do you sponsor sponsored by like uh, Bombardier or I don't know any other brands of skidoos, but that's probably one of the ones I know. Or do you just go out and just buy the cheapest cheapest one out there? So if you if you do, buy I just it. I got a good deal on those, and I knew they worked. Yeah, and so that's what I just. Use yeah, happy nice. days, happy days. Where do you train at? Obviously, you know, because you can ride them on the road in the dirt. I've seen people drag race them, uh, and they they're fucking quick. Um, oh yeah, I've, yeah. Have you I've have, got, you, have uh, you done that? Have you, Tyler? I haven't drag raced, but uh, I do have. I've got wheels on the on the skis, so I can ride it in the summertime as well. But I just practice right in the yard. I that's fucking I'm cool. In, invested in an airbag, so I got a fifty by fifty by twelve. Uh, big square airbag to practice into now. Yeah, nice. So I can just practice right in the front yard when I'm home. Yeah, but still, even like, you know, you practicing on a airbag, like compared to FMX, you know, it's a 100 kilo bike and they've got somewhat capacity of, you know, throwing the bike away, pushing the bike out. Of the, you, you don't have that capability to push a 300 kilo <laughs> sled away from you. You just got to ride the No, usually, yeah. usually that's when you have the bad crashes. If, I mean – Obviously, you don't want to hold on to it, take the impact, but sometimes, I mean, if you push yourself away in that rotation, sometimes you don't even know where you're at, so you just got to hold on. And Worst case case scenario is you shit your pants and you don't know until 10 minutes after. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, I mean, (laughs) like I always tell everybody, if I'm dead, then that's not my problem anymore. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. Very good way to think of it, I suppose. Fair call. Um, so what's the what's the, what's the deal with Nitro Circus? Obviously, the world's like fully locked down because of uh, coronavirus. Um, have you guys been uh, have you been meeting up with any other Nitro players or Nitro Nitro team members? Not really. Just just kind of doing doing my own thing. Still, nobody wants to come and play in the cold where I live. Usually, so yeah, definitely. So what do you, what do you do? Not till summer. So. Yeah, hundred percent. You go shooting up there, or you sort of live in the city, like the um, suburbia. No, we're we're out in the country. We've got uh, almost forty acres. Yeah, there, so we just because you like your woods guns. in the back, and 
you like your whatever. guns? I've, you've sent me, you, you know, here and there. You'll send me pictures of your guns and make me jealous because we suck here in Australia. Yeah, we got we got nothing. We got bolt action rifles and that's about it. And ten shot pistols, which suck. And you're sending me pictures of M4s and Glock 19 <laughs> and you know just everything like barrels and yeah, all mate, sorts of shit. I like shooting, Tyler. My brother and I go shooting up at uh, Central New South Wales here in um, here in Australia. And like like Maddie said, we only got bold actions. I've got a three straight wind mag and a two D three. My brother's got a few other shotguns and whatnot. Um, what sort of guns do you have? For everyone out there listening, like, they might have a few gun, gun nuts. We all like guns. We're all boys. Um, talk us through. Well, I've got <laughs> I've got uh, my six five Creedmoor. That's that's kind of my long distance. Yeah, One that big. I practice with more shoots like a laser beam. So I yeah. absolutely love that. It's quiet. It's, I've got some two, two threes. I've got <laughs> shotguns, pistols, nine mils, forties. Just, oh, just, yeah, just an army. What do you, what do you Depend, shoot? Depends who's asking. <laughs> <laughs> what do you shoot? Timberwolves, mooses, elks. What, what, what do you have up there? Oh, uh, we've got, well, we've got bears, deer. Oh, fuck yeah. Usually, usually just deer up here, but. Uh, I want to do some elk hunting this fall with my brother. They've got out in uh, Wyoming, they've got where you can get a wolf for it's like $30 for a tag and you can just shoot as many as you can. Yeah, right. No shit. So when you have tags in America, so here in Australia, you go shooting on like private land and there's no tags unless you're a professional shooter and you're shooting roos for meat because um, everything in Australia is projected species that was um, that was here to start with, i.e. like uh, emus, wedgetail eagles, roos and whatnot, but everything else is fair game like pigs, goats, cats, rabbits, foxes, camels. we got shitloads of, of, of camels here in Australia. Um, so when you go shooting- You can shoot them. Oh, fuck yeah. we got d- d- uh, donkeys, <laughs> horses. we got fucking heaps of shit. Uh, up in Darwin and uh, the tropical climate, there's- um, water buffalo, I think they're called, or they call them another fucking name. Um, we've got just plenty of shit to shoot here, but you don't need tags. So that's yeah. probably one of the bonuses. But the bonus about you living in America is you guys can have semi-autos. and That's it. And you cool can blow shit. stuff up and tannerite. Oh, and, 100%. You know, if you want to yeah. remove the, the tree in your backyard, you don't have to just get an <laughs> excavator. You can blow that shit up. God bless America. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, like, I don't want to go too political, but um, – you know, you don't have to answer, but how is how is your new president going? Yay or nay? Nah, <laughs> oh. um, I'm not the not the biggest not fan. the biggest fan of things they're trying to change. I mean, like, I don't know how you guys how yours stuff is like when you're overseas. Like our rules of engagement uh, under like the Obama years, like when we first got in Afghanistan. It was, if you're getting shot at, you have to positively identify who's shooting, what they're shooting, yeah. and then you can radio it in and request to return fire. Yeah, that's crazy. What a load of shit. Yeah. So it makes it, like, it was, it pretty much made it impossible to do your job if you had to do it. You yeah. Know? And then under Trump, it was, uh, you know, someone doing something bad, like as in shooting at you, return fire with whatever yeah, you've got. It, Pretty obvious. Oh, <laughs> was that like yeah. our um, predator missiles? Was was that like us, Matt? Uh, the ADF? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Ours was yeah. Basically, if you, if you were getting shot at, shoot back. Simple. Or you know, if, if it was yeah. a th- you know something threatening, of yeah. course. Like it's 
Yeah, in the Navy, we had our off-off cards, the orders for opening fire, and uh, it was basically like, if it's your duty to protect, uh, you have the right to defend that person. Like That, that isn't word for word, but along the lines of something. Now, probably guys out there going, oh, you just fuck, fuck that bit up. But if, if anyone's serving the ADF, you understand, it's just probably just like, just do what you're told sort of thing. And if you shoot someone, kill someone, you've got to just justify why. Obviously, you know, the SAS here in Australia have gone through some uh, political nightmares, but I'm not going to get involved in that because I don't know anything about it. But mm. similar, um, similar to uh, that, uh, that Navy SEAL in, in the US, uh, Gallagher, what's his... Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we're kind of going through the same issues here in Australia at the moment, um, you know, so who knows what's going to happen with it. Um, I mean, it, it just comes down to basically just doing the right thing. I mean, you obviously know, you know, if you have to protect yourself, you got to protect yourself, but you know, it just is what it is. Yeah, I'm not going to comment further, but uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll back our soldiers over. Yeah, there. yeah, we don't want to comment too much on it because um, you know we've got a few guys that listen, and you know, I, you know, I, you know, some of these guys that are you know in in the shit in Australia, you know, are my mates. So um, you know, I like to keep it the way it is. But anyway, um, speaking, I want to keep touching the topic here. You're right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of army, talk us through a day in the life of uh, your uh, when you're overseas or a few days. I know for me it was like Groundhog Day out at sea. I used to wake up at six, go to brekkie, do the do the time check, you know, whatever time zone we're in, then go in the chart room, fix some charts up, go to the gym, go eat, sleep, watch a movie, go have dinner, sleep, go and watch maybe, and like day in day out. So we spent like 30, 32 days at sea, average, and then pull in for four days around the um, Arabian countries. Or we used to go to Jordan or Tanzania for once, or the Seychelles. But for us, it was a little bit different because we knew every thirty days we'll go and pull into a port, and we used to get. Um, free time for like four or five days and it was it was mm. fucking cool but obviously with you boys you guys in, in country for what six seven months I know the ADF was there for six some might be longer um, I know my mate was there for like I think maybe eight months yeah we definitely don't have free didn't get any free time but, yeah. <laughs> but it was like like you say it's kind of like groundhogs they wake up go to the gym go back shower yeah. eat breakfast go do your job and come back work yeah. out Eat, eat dinner. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The good thing about, like, you obviously spent a lot of time in Kandahar. They had, like, uh, Maccas and KFC there too, didn't they? <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Oh. No. Actually, <laughs> when I was there, they only had, it was uh, Green beans. just one little, like, coffee shop deal there. Everything else was just run down. And yeah, right. There was, like, nothing there when we were there. Yeah, I know Bagram's got a pizza hut because I went to it. That's fucking yeah. sweet. <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah, I, I was there and I got some photos there. Have you been to Bahrain at all, Tyler, the Navy base at Bahrain? I have not, no. Oh, man. So you pull into Bahrain and it's probably one of the hottest places I've been to in my life. You know, like it was, I remember at night time, because every hour we got to do like a weather log, the rough log. And I remember at night time, like 2 a.m. was like 37 degrees. And during the day, like 2 in the Arvo, it was like high 40s. Like it was fucking unbelievable. And the humidity was like <laughs> through the roof. Anyway, pulled in the Navy base there, went to, got like taxis and buses to the actual base there, a, a, a bit in there. I forget the name of the base now. And just outside the base, they have a street called Fat Alley. And mm. it is just double-sided full of American fast food chains yeah. and where it's like so obviously come from Australia you know, we've got KFC Macca's Subway you know a few other ones and uh, everyone was just going fucking bonkers everyone's just fucking in and out just grabbing like all burgers <laughs> and fucking donuts just being absolute fat fucks and um, I remember the, the Navy base there like it was it was fucking cool you know you cruise around and you see American soldiers uh, sailors should I say um, and you just like fuck what's up man you're like oh how you going man you guys Australian you're like yeah brother and it was, it was, it was a fucking <laughs> good feeling you know um but yeah, 
Yes. I forget where we're going with that one. Forget where he's going. I forget where that one's going. Navy guys, mate, they've got no idea. That's all the salt through, honestly. Were you saying that they're fat? No, I forget. Oh, we're talking about the food. We're talking about the food. Sorry. And um, do you know Diego Garcia? Are you f- uh, familiar with the with the islands, the island chain in the middle of the Indian Ocean? I mean, I've heard of them. I've never been oh. there though. <laughs> we we pulled in there for fuel, and the islands. Anyone who knows it, or you want to bloody look it up on, on on Google Maps, it's an island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and it's long enough for a runway, and that's it. And the width of it's probably like a hundred meters wide. And at the end of the island, they got all the little huts and buildings where everyone lives. And in there was a Papa John's, Subway, and I think a burger joint. And mm. that just goes to show wherever the Americans go, they yeah. just do whatever the fuck they want, except for Darwin. You know, we've got a massive marine base here in Darwin. Um, and there's, I think there's like a thousand Marines or something, Matthew. There's yeah. fucking heaps of them. And then it's, yeah, and they, you went like, I was there in 2018, uh, sorry, in 2015, sorry. And, um, everywhere you went, you just hear these accents and it's just like, oh, fuck, there's just thousands of you. There's hundreds of them. <laughs> They're everywhere. So, um, you know, let's, uh, you know, we've been talking for about 45 minutes now. Let's, let's, uh, start to wrap it up for you so you can get some sleep, mate. I'm sure you're starting to get a bit tired. So, um, you know, one, we've probably got about two or three questions for you. Where, you know, where, sure. where do you... Where do you um you know what's your plans? What's what's the future plans? Obviously, you've discharged from the army now completely. And, yes. Uh, and obviously, working full time for yourself now, or for someone doing what's, what? What job have you got now? Uh, I'm working on gas turbines, so I travel all over the U.S. working on those, and then when I'm home, practice on snowmobiles and four wheelers, and. I'm. Uh, I just started my final class for my bachelor's for sports and health science. So yeah, right. So what's the, what's the plans with that? I'm not quite sure yet. I was originally uh, thinking physical therapy and finishing up doing that, or I might even continue on and do my master's for nursing. Possibly. Yeah, right. And then obviously, you know, your your uh, writing side of things. You're just going to take things to the next level. And you know, try this, you know, double funny, hopefully. And that's you know, fucking crazy. I'm hoping so. Yeah. And then hopefully, <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you know, hopefully things open up again and exactly start touring again with Nitro. And otherwise, I'll just keep trying to push it as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. Right. I've got two questions before we go, Tyler. What do you miss most about the Army? And what would be your advice to anybody that is just going to do something crazy like a front flip on a skidoo, if not two? Like what? So we'll go back to the army question. What is the most you miss about the army? I just say just having that that close of friendship, like knowing that that person has your back in the worst case scenario, and you have theirs. Just you know, as much as you know, you have all really good friends back home and everything else. You, it's just a whole different type of yeah friendship while you're over yeah, there. Yeah, totally agree. That's it. You know, and if you shit yourself. <laughs> You know, and, <laughs> and and you told your mates, you know, that you know, two they'll just do two things. They'll probably grab you some toilet paper, and then they'll just tease you for the rest of your life. <laughs> of course, hundred <laughs> percent. And I, um, no, I I think that was like probably the best thing for me transitioning back. You know, back home was just I went from that to yeah, straight into nitro's craziness. So it was kind of still riding that edge of the you know that fine line of life and death type of deal, and then yeah. You got, Everybody else doing the same job as well. So. Exactly, hundred percent. And uh, any advice to all the young kids out there, boys and girls, that want to sort of do something absolutely crazy? Like, how did what made you think it, it was possible to pull off a, a front flip, and now you're going for a double? Like, that's fucking mental. Well, I, I was hoping that one was doable. 
I'm pretty sure now I'm pretty sure two is, but I would just say, you know, as hard as things get, I mean, things are going to suck a lot of the time, but if you keep pushing through, it'll happen. Just, you can't give up on it. That's all. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, you know, those words, you know, basically translate to anything in life, you know, that's, you know, oh, yeah. just, just go for it. You know, what, what do you got to lose? You know, um, obviously there's a, shit, there's a lot of yeah. shit your pants, I suppose. Yeah, shit your pants, or <laughs> lose your life or whatever, but you know, you, you're, you're trying and that's, you know, that's kind of what we're doing this uh, podcast for is to, you know, give people, um, especially guys living in the military, you know, obviously it'd be the same in the US where, you know, we've got a lot of guys coming back from overseas and, um, you know, here in Australia, mate, you know, in the last, you know, four, six months we've had multiple suicides, you know, it's almost a weekly, yeah. weekly occurrence here for, you know, Afghan vets, Iraq vets, et cetera. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, the US would be, on, you know, on par with the same same sort of deal, guys going through trouble. So the reason why, you know, we're getting guys like yourself and, uh, you know, a few of the other Nitro guys, we're going to get some more military. It just worked out perfect with you because obviously being in the military and then uh, being you know crazy uh, nitro you know athlete as well. So you know we're just trying to give people you know reason to you know keep moving on, keep moving forward, and um, you know accomplish any goal you know basically you set your mind to. And you guys you know there's no better you know people out there to show dedication than you guys. Like it's just you know especially this extreme sports that they set their mind to it and they get it done and you guys won't stop until you get it done which is it's admirable it's awesome no and that's that's one of those things I mean we're all gonna die eventually one way or the other so I mean once you can accept that idea that you know oh I could possibly die doing this I mean what is there to be afraid of hundred you know, percent and that exactly. is the uh, zero limits just at a tribute want to hear 100%. I like that you just gotta enjoy it and. And it's all about the adventure. Yeah, exactly right. All exactly right. So anyway, mate, mate, uh, we've talked for, uh, you know, just under an hour now and we really appreciate you coming on. You know, you know, we've, we've been talking over the, you know, talk through Instagram, et cetera. And, and, uh, mate, it's good to see you. Your face is still the same, which is good. <laughs> Only you could make a dark man blush, man. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'm literally just getting my US visa. It's getting fixed up now for the next couple of years. So hopefully, you know, COVID disappears. I can get back on tour, come see you guys and hang out because I'd love to, you know, come out your way and, and uh, shoot some guns and so blow some I. trees. So do I, Tyler. I'll crack. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a double front of you go. No way. Tandem. It we'll do depend, it tandem. Depends no. who's listening. I may or may not have guns for you to shoot. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, Tyler, mate. Thanks for the chat, buddy. Uh, we'll chat in the near future. Thanks, mate. All right. You take care, Shane. Thanks, man. See ya. Wait, wait, wait. Now quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise, and just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is 
forwarded to organisations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our buyer, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.